Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. New York Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really and truly all day long like 7-Eleven. podcast has turned into a roast of Faye Dunaway. As a photographer, you always have to fight people thinking you want to see them naked. I mean, if, if everybody else is naked, I'll get naked. No Blackout Dates, OnlyFans version. After dark. Welcome back to another episode of No Blackout Dates. I'm Evan. And I'm Tim. And we're glad you're here. You won't regret it because today's episode is pretty special. My good friend, Karel Augustus, is with us today. He's a photographer based in LA who's appeared on magazine covers and TV spots, worked with some of the biggest Hollywood stars, including some names you might recognize, like uh, Kylie Jenner, Christina Milan, Chadwick Boseman, Robert Downey Jr. Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford, yeah. And now for some reason, he's here to talk to us. And uh, we're going to be discussing Karel's upcoming magnum opus, the Black Hollywood Book Project, Karel is recreating iconic scenes from classic movies, uh, some of your favorite scenes, using black actors and actresses in this photo book. Uh, it's a complete reimagining of Hollywood history. It's un- it's unbelievable. Uh, we're going to be learning who he's worked with, who he's got beef with, and what it takes to manage some of Hollywood's biggest egos. But it really is just a groundbreaking work, and uh, the project looks phenomenal so far, and we can't wait for it to come out. It's interesting to hear how he describes working with these celebrities because every time you hear about a famous person and you've seen or read their work, you have a picture in your head of how this person might be off camera based on their on-camera persona. And it turns out that most of that is false. And some people flat out literally will not sign on the dotted line. Oh, yeah. He keeps it respectful, but definitely spills the beans on which stars are a pain in the ass. Uh, I mean, honestly, meeting people like Carell is one of the best perks of traveling for work. You just meet crazy, interesting people. And uh, me and him met on the uh, Aruba press trip, the same trip I met Todd on from a few episodes ago. Um, Tim, so who, wh- which celebrity would you hesitate to meet that because you were afraid they might let you down, like a hero of yours that you that you're afraid they might not live up to your expectations because Carell talks about this a little bit. Well, my hero probably is Tom DeLonge, and I actually kind of have been reluctant to try to meet him or interview him. I've even, I've interviewed a lot of my favorite musicians. I've interviewed Fat Mike from No Effects. I've interviewed a lot of, you know, pretty top tier talent that I grew up loving, and I've honestly almost always been impressed with very, very few exceptions. Aaron Barrett from Real Big Fish, one of the coolest dudes ever, but. I'm afraid to meet Tom because if he let me down, I don't know what I would do. Like, I literally don't know what I would do. I, I kind of don't think he would, though. I don't think he would either. I think he delivers. Yeah, I think that might be a narrative that you've built for yourself to say, okay, I'm okay with having not met Tom, when really you're not okay with having not met Tom. Like, you want this. This is your – you could die happy if you interview Tom DeLong tomorrow. For sure. He's top of my list. The other would have been – Bourdain, who that's not going to happen now. There's a few others, but yeah, he's definitely number one. Have you met any, outside of work interviews, have you met any celebrities in the wild? I don't know that I've just straight up like met them. Like we've been hanging out at the bar, having a beer together, but I was flying with my wife back from, 
I think we were in the Tokyo airport back to LA and Sinbad was on our flight. Okay. Most known for his iconic role in the classic, the top, the top three of all time Christmas movies alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jingle All the Way. Yeah. Well, he was definitely just chilling in the Tokyo airport, like at our gate. Cool. Well, uh, I've talked about meeting your heroes. I've always wanted to meet the Pillsbury Doughboy. What an amazing interview that would be, right? And that's a guy like he's not going to let you down. Like no. what you see is what you get. Anyway, yeah, let's. Uh, we're not going to waste any more time. So let's get into it with Carell. We'll see you guys on the other side. Carell, what is up? So happy you're with us. How are you doing, bud? I am well, man. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. I appreciate it. I, I'm looking forward to this. Congratulations on this, too, by the way. We interviewed uh, a writer that I know that you guys both know maybe a week or two ago, and Evan has talked to me about you every day since then. So, Aww. Yeah, on the episode we did with Todd a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Aruba trip, and you obviously came up, and I was like, damn, I got to get Carell on here. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Yeah, I see Todd on, on Instagram, still out there in the world, living it up, having a good time. Yeah, so I remember when I met you, you were – you were working. I don't know if you just started working on the Black Hollywood book project or how far along you were at the time, but now it seems like you're nearing completion. Am I am I correct on that? Yeah. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Talk about the project. What inspired you to undertake it? Yeah. Where you're at? Um, so I met you in 2018, and no, I actually started shooting in 2000, and I think 10. Oh wow. Okay then. So, so the book, what I, what I started doing back in 2010 is recreating famous scenes from movies and iconic images with black celebrities and entertainers and, you know, people that, you know, that you would know and you've seen in movies, you've seen in TV commercials, artists, so everybody. So it's, it's, it's this great, incredible conglomerate of work that um, for whatever reason, it's just, just finding the proper niche and the proper people to put it in front of to get it out properly. It's just been a little bit of a challenge, but it's, it's, it's exciting, you know, because whoever responds to it is going, it's going to be the right place for it to be. Right. So you're recreating classic scenes from iconic uh, Hollywood movies. Give us a few examples. Well, I mean, I've done, you know, in the beginning, I, I realized I was doing a lot of things that impacted me the most, like, like, um, uh, like back to the future. Mm -hmm. And like staying alive, but I've done Psycho, I've done um, The Matrix, mm -hmm. I've done Dial M for Murder. The more that people learned about it, and the the braver I got, I just started exploring with huge, big sets. Like I did Vanessa Williams as Cleopatra. We spent, I spent, who's we? I spent a lot of my own money to build the set to make it look like some Egyptian palace. I had all these extras. Has anybody been a pain in the ass to work with? Absolutely. <laughs> you don't want to. You don't want to burn your bridges. We get that. No, we don't want to burn bridges. But there is an actress that who's incredibly. I'll tell you about a situation that took place when we were filming for a TV show. She actually was fine, but we were shooting for my book, and simultaneously it was being filmed for a reality show. Hmm. And I was really excited to have this actress from Kill Bill in my book. She had been directed by Quentin Tarantino. She She's a huge actress, so it was just really important for me to have her in it. And while we were shooting for the book and filming and, and, and all that stuff, she kind of got into it with one of the girls from the show who was to do her hair. Mm. 
And it became this huge, like, just this huge problem caused so much anxiety for me because she was getting really upset and she was like, you know what, I'm done with this. But I really needed her for my book. So I didn't want her to be done with me. And it's like, if you Google it, you can find it. It's called LA Hair that we were on, but it, it was this really intense situation. It was not fake. And I was just more concerned with her. Like, I don't care about this crew. This crew is not going to be here in, you know, six years when this book comes out, but I need her in this book. And I don't want her to think that I'm in cahoots with you guys to make her sort of look crazy. Right. <laughs> and she pulled me in the bathroom when we were still mic'd. And she goes, listen, I believe in this book. I believe in you. I will stay to do this for you, but they have to leave. And I said, well, that's all you had to tell me. And I'm like, that's fine. You got to go. You got to wrap it up. And it's all in the show. And it was real. That's awesome. So you run into situations, you know, it's, you know, Hollywood is a bunch of egos, man. And it's, it's, you, you got to figure out a way to cater to them and and smile and get their support all at the same time. Yeah, you. So, what inspired you to? What gave you the idea for the project? Pitching it to these actors and Hollywood stars that work with you, maybe for less than they might otherwise, you know, make at a photography project. Yeah. It's it's about the mission. It's about the the goal behind it and the message you're trying to portray. So, what is it that yeah. kind of inspired you? that you can then pass on to them and get them excited enough to participate. What started, what what gave me the idea initially was the day that Michael Jackson died and his music was everywhere. Like it was everywhere. Like I went on a hike and I came home and it was just, it was just everywhere. And I, I thought, God, you know, I, when I'm done, I want to leave something that, that people would know that I was here. I want to leave something. And I was a photographer and, you know, photographers in Los Angeles are a dime a dozen. So I wanted to do something that I could focus on, something that could be mine, something that that if anybody else decided to copy or emulate, it would it's a task. Like you can't just wake up and say, hey, you know, I'm gonna do what he did. So I said, you know, I, I had a friend, an actress, Kelly Stewart. She was on a, a shot promos for a TV show that she was on. And we had actually had a, diff, a separate session. And I called her first. I said, hey, I have this really cool idea. I want to take these iconic scenes from movies and replace it with with african-american actors actresses and uh, athletes music musicians and she said oh my god that's a great idea and what she said to me actually really started it she goes i would love to do it and i have a couple people that might would want to do it with you and i was like wow okay let's go that's exactly what you want that's exactly what you want to hear i think she did mommy dearest which is an amazing shot that I tried to show Faye Dunaway, the original actress in Cannes, and she went off on me. We could talk about that later because <laughs> she's special. So you showed Faye Dunaway the recreated shot of her iconic scene. Yeah, the remake shot. And she looked at it and she goes, you delete that right now. And I was just like, what? So I, it's kind of a compliment because she actually thought that she was looking at a shot of herself. Oh, wow. Okay. But she wasn't. And I said, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. And so I had a PR person with me. And she goes, I need him to delete that immediately. And the PR, my friend Robin, she goes, that's not you. Wow. <laughs> she goes, that's not you. But she was, so, she was so aggressive. And I was looking at Robin like, uh, somebody better get her. Because she was like encroaching on my personal space. And I, I just wasn't expecting that because I've met several people it's one of my favorite things, actually, to meet people that inspired a shot. So I'm like, hey, you know, not that I, I don't know what I expect, but, you know, 
just to say, hey, listen, you impacted me this way. You inspired me and you inspired this. Uh, have a look at it. You know, and, and I have to be open to people saying, you know, get that out of my face. I'm not interested. But for the most part, people um, people really appreciate it. So Faye Dunaway thought that a photo of a black actress was her. She thought a photo of a black actress. Because you know what I realized? She didn't, she, she didn't even look at it. You know how sometimes you can look at yeah, 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 yeah. a word and, not, and know the word without actually reading the word? I think she just looked at it and her mind was made. Yeah. She yeah. saw the context of the shot. She was like, this is my shot. This is iconic. Yeah. It's me. So, okay, got it. Right. Listen, I'm not trying to brag, but this stuff looks exactly like the original. And if you're not really paying attention in some of them, you could think that I was showing you a picture of yourself, Faye Dunaway, with your crazy ass. I guess she thought this was <laughs> Hollywood in 1981 where people were all, you know, I'm like, girl, calm down. This is not. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> you know, calm down. We're trying to respect you. Mind you, she's the same one that read the wrong name at the Academy Awards. Oh yeah, she read the wrong uh, Best Picture winner, right? Yes. So she's not she's not known for her in the moment uh, attention to detail. <laughs> this podcast has turned into a roast of Faye Dunaway. No, we're gonna leave Faye alone. You know, Faye's. You know, <laughs> you know, she 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 actually explained to me later, which I did not know because I didn't I didn't research her. She said it wasn't one of her favorite movies and the movies caused her a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. And... Right. So who, who else have you worked with as part of the project that you would say is, was a delight to work with? Like who is your, this is the easy question. Who's the, uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, who would you love to work with again in a heartbeat? You know? So the, I would work with Vanessa Williams again in a heartbeat because as you may or may not know, Vanessa Williams was the first black woman crowned to be Miss America. So that's always been a big deal for me, just on a personal level. And I think that happened when I was like in the fourth or fifth grade. Usually between somebody saying yes and walking into a studio, it's about six months. But with her, I think we met on a Thursday. I emailed her guy like that Friday morning, and I think we were shooting in like a week. And so it was a complete delight. And it was fun. And it was um, just one of those moments where you're watching your vision come to life. You know, and it's been like every single time I shoot any one of them, though, it's 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 like this really cool um, affirmation that you're doing the right thing. I shot um, Lauren London as Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct. Mm-hmm. And that was fun because it was, it's the famous. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that one. It's the famous scene. We we didn't take it all the way there. But... Where's your edge, Corel? Come on. Listen, I know. Listen, the thing is this. As a photographer, you always have to fight people thinking you want to see them naked. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I always go out of my way to let people know that, uh, no, this is going to be a really clear. You can bring your mom, bring your uncle, bring your dad, bring your sister, bring whomever, because I just want to get really good shots. Now, that said, I would love to do the American Beauty shot with the roses on the bed. Mm, okay. Yeah. Who? With who? who who's, you, who's your ideal actress for that? I, I just pitched that to Logan Brownlee from Dear White People on Netflix. And I'm waiting. So let's go like we're going to, we're going to, you know. Cross our fingers. And the thing is that we could do a volume two because when people see the work, I think they'll be they'll get it. Well, that's what I that's what I was gonna say. Is there like a end date for this, or are you just kind of rolling until you feel less inspired to keep going forward? I think my second version, and if anybody hearing this wants to do it, they can. Is I think I'll skip the Hollywood thing and just start doing um, ads from like the '60s and '70s. I think that'd be cool. 
to read the, the redo ads. Yeah, like cigarette ads. Get the Marlboro yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Get the Marlboro That's Man, cool. right? The Virginia yeah. Slams. You've come a long way, baby. Look, it works. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally, man. Totally. You know, I, I was just going to say, you know, I, I I was so optimistic, as Evan known, I think, has a couple of Black Hollywood book project wristbands. I was, this is, I was going to bring this up to you. I, you gave me one and I've misplaced it and I want to ask you for another one. Stop. Yeah, that was this is my first order of business actually. I was gonna ask you that. <laughs> I need another one. You're a man about town, so I get it. So yeah, text me your and I'll send you a Yeah, info. I would love it. So a lot of people have those wristbands, like from Oprah to Denzel Washington to Martha Stewart to Sharon Stone, who actually saw the picture that I created of herself and loved it. There you go. Take notes, Faye Dunaway. Yeah. <laughs> Very unsolicited. You probably don't care at all, but a great scene to redo would be the sound of music. Oh my god! The like the Von Trapp family in the hills, and they're all like it's like the super white, like milky white Aryan family. But who are we gonna who who is he gonna put in that scene? No, we can get people to do it. Who's gonna pay for it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to go to Austria to get the real backdrop yeah. too. And... No, no, no. So all all the all of that had to come into play when I was doing this. You know, like I said, I I funded the whole entire thing. And it's and I try to do everything in camera. And what that means is I don't want to just shoot people against white and then send it to somebody and they build up sets around them. So even if I couldn't go to Austria, I could go, you know, L.A. is very mountainous. So you can go find places to shoot to sort of emulate it. So I'd rather do it in camera. Do you think that the Black Lives Matter movement is going to impact how this book is is perceived received and you know as far as the public and by a publisher yeah so so i started this before black lives matter and part of the reason this book came about was because i grew up in you know america i was born and raised in columbia south carolina watching the dukes of hazard and shows that everybody watched but the difference was i didn't see people that that looked like me it felt like I was more of like on the outside looking in as opposed to, oh, that could be me, right? So I just hope that people can see like between the lines and the deeper meaning behind the pictures. You know, the the, the book is for my nieces and my nephews that that I'm hoping don't have to grow up with these 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 restrictions on where they see themselves or how they see themselves. Have you noticed a change in the ease of getting talent to participate in the project since the BLM movement took off? Is it do people see it as more of a does the talent kind of see it as more of a desirable project because it's in furthering of this um, this cause, or is it not really made a difference? No. And can we name names here? Absolutely. Some people don't care if I name names. So there was a there's a guy there's a guy he's a gay wrestler. Uh, fuck, I can't think of his name. Uh, anyway, WWE. Yeah, like a professional wrestler that I read, like I've been talking to for a year, and I had this really cool shot, and uh, it was I wanted to shoot him as uh, Atlas. Is it Darren Young? Yes, I wanted to shoot him as Atlas because he's all muscular and he's gay, and I'm like, you know what? We in the black community, and this is not a book for black people. This is a book for all people about black people, but. You know, being gay in the black community has all these stigmas attached to it, which I think is wrong. And I, and I think he is the quintessential uh, antithesis of all those stereotypes. You know, he's macho, he's huge, he's buff, he's he's this wrestler. And I really, really wanted to shoot him 
uh, for my book as Atlas. And we've been going back and forth for a year. And then randomly he goes, hey, you know, I'm, a, I'm free in the next two weeks. This is in September. And then I'm like, oh, cool. Like, give me a date and we'll make it happen. And just crickets. I, I don't take any of it personally, but at some point you have to stop wasting my time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and if you don't want to do it, that's completely fine. Shaka Khan told me that she would do it for a year and a year and a day. She said, oh, no, I can't. And I was just like, you bitch. Yeah, well, Darren Young, Chaka Khan, if you're listening to this, get your shit together and uh, give our boy Corell a call. Darren Young, get your shit together. Come on. No blackout dates is calling you out right now. <laughs> tweet him. Everybody tweet him. Tell him to do it. So my point is this. My little book that's not going to be some Hollywood blockbuster that rakes in $108 million you know, over a weekend these people couldn't care less about. So I had to realize that. It's like, you should want to do this. this da, da, da. So, you know, I think some people just don't feel it. And I don't want you to do it if you don't feel it. Do you do you ever get starstruck? Is that something that's, that you get over? Or is that something that is constantly in the back of your head? I It's constantly in the back of my head, but not really starstruck. But, you know, uh, Janet Jackson, I just can't help it. I just get nervous and I get like... I get fidgety, I get shaky, because I've been watching this woman since I'm 12. But that's really... You've shot Janet Jackson? Yeah, for some magazine, like, God, like 10 years ago. So I get fidgety, and I actually want to shoot her for my book, but I'm, I'm hesitant to reach out, because if I get a no, I'd be devastated. But I'd rather take a no than a, a, a two-year drag out to a no. <laughs> right. But no, my friend and I, we always talk about like these celebrities, and I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to be friends with any of them. And let me clarify that in case any of them hear this, that I am actually friends with. Mm -hmm. The people that I'm friends with as a result of this book I became friends with are like genuine, true friends that it would have normally naturally happened. But I think that a lot of these celebrities think that people want something from them or yeah, something sure. more than I'm putting out. So when I say I'm not trying, I don't want to be friends with them. What I'm saying is I don't really feel like I need to go out of my way to prove that I'm a genuine person to be friends with. Right. You're not booking celebrities because you want to be friend a celebrity. You, you're, if it happens, it happens. If your personality is vibe, that's fine. And this, you know. that's exactly right. You know, and if somebody, I, the people whose phone numbers I have, the celebrities are the ones that say, Hey, Corel, take my number. And I'm like, uh, okay. And I'll take it. And, you know, but I've never been like, Oh, I should get your phone. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, right. I'm not interested in that. And if they make the first moves and the people that do that are the most genuine ones that you, you probably want to hang out with and be with Tracy Toms has become a huge friend of mine. She's always having these great parties before COVID and she's just been a big supporter and a huge advocate of the book. I shot her as Zool from uh, Ghostbusters. So besides her, who, who else have you gotten close to through working on the book? My dearly departed friend from True Blood, Nelson Ellis. Yeah. He played um, Lafayette on the show. Um, Khadijah and Malika, those girls from the Kardashians. Those are Kardashian friends? Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're friends. But they've been really, they do, those girls have been really like supportive of me and they don't hesitate. So you see how this, all these things start to intertwine out of just one idea. And we just find ourselves connected to all these different movements and life events, which is crazy. 
And you've worked with Chadwick Boseman too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have. I've met him a couple times. Yeah, he used to be he used to he used to be my neighbor, and we used to go to the same gym before he became all this. And I met him with because my friend Nelson from True Blood was also in um, Get On Up, the James Brown story, and Chadwick Chadwick Boseman played James Brown, and he played the sidekick. So you you know you kind of interact with people as a result of that. Is there anything in particular when you're shooting somebody that you've never shot before that tips you off that they're going to be easy or, or harder to shoot? Or what is it that makes somebody yeah. like not their personality so much, just their, their aesthetic and the whole situation surrounding what goes into it? So people want to blame photographers when their pictures don't come out good. <laughs> but I am just, I, as a photographer, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get the best out of you. So I will know within like like 30 seconds whether this shoot is going to be worth my time and worth yours, or I am just taking your money from you. You can look as you can be the most handsome or the most beautiful person in the world. But if you don't know how to like work the camera, as they say, or, you know, you don't know your angles and your this and that, like it comes across and yeah. you look like a deer in headlights. And then I get a bad, excuse me, I get a bad rep because <laughs> you yeah. don't look good. So it's a two-way street. It's a two-way street. And and almost equally, I was on a job with Cindy Crawford, and just uh, it was just amazing to watch her. Yeah. Just to watch her be photographed because she knows. It's so funny the difference between people who are used to being professionally photographed and people like, like me and Tim, <laughs> who like I at least don't know where to look. I don't know what to do with my hands. I suddenly forget how to stand correctly i become super aware of my posture i just fall apart i couldn't be less natural in front of the yeah. camera yeah when somebody asks you to take their picture on your on their phone do you ever do the thing where you put it in reverse mode and take a picture of your face i have done that that's one of my favorite things to do <laughs> i always take a picture of myself but i if 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 i'm with like the three of us together and somebody would walk up and say, hey, you guys mind taking my picture? I would just walk away <laughs> and then let one of you guys take the picture. I, I've done that. I'm like, I'm with my friend. They're like, oh, he's not going to take it. But I could imagine if you're on like a press trip with influencers that they're like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask the professional photographer to take my picture every five minutes, you know? There's always the one. But Eben, this goes back to our repeated theme of this show and my, my opinions of influencers. These are the influencers I'm talking about. The me, me, me. That's yeah. what I'm talking about when I am like, coming down on the me, me, me influencers that are adding no value to the world. And just want free shit. Well, now they do it by OnlyFans. Yeah, Tim, we should do that. We got to get our, gotta expand our audience as much as possible. We can't take any marketing <laughs> options off the table. We need, we need OnlyFans. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all in, buddy. We're all in. No blackout dates, OnlyFans version. After dark. Oh God, trust me, demand for that is extremely low. We gotta get on. We gotta get on Patreon and start doing like filming us in our house twenty four hours a day when we're like changing. Yeah, I always hear Patreon. What is that? Is that just where I pay? So like, if you have a podcast, but the podcast is free, you can have a Patreon page so your listeners can go give you five bucks if they want to. It's like you could listen to Carell's interview for free, but if you want to hear him like really shit talk Vivica Fox, then you can pay. Like that's that's what we do. I would never shit talk Vivica Fox. <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> 
Yeah, I love Vivica. Vivica tells it like it is. Oh yeah. And you, oh, you figured out she was the one in that show I was talking about. You're you're a smart yeah, you cookie, Evan. Weren't being that subtle. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna hear this. Oh yeah, I'm sure she's a regular listener. So speaking of Vivica, who that you've worked with either exceeded your expectations in a positive way or the opposite in a negative way? Who are you pumped to meet and you're like, eh, eh it kind of sucks, or you were like, yeah, I'm lukewarm on meeting this person. And then you met them and you're like, damn, that they're actually fucking chill and down to earth. Yeah. So what's irritating is all hell. I've had a couple situations where these big people have come to shoot and refuse to sign the release. It's, it's, it's because they don't want to put, I guess, me in a position to earn whatever they think I'm going to earn outside of them giving me permission. Do you know what I mean? So I have two really good shots and we're going to keep it at 100. I shot um, Dulé Hill, Singing in the Rain. It's an, an incredible shot. It's an amazing shot. I have yet to get the release to this day. And I shot Layla Hathaway, a Grammy, five-time Grammy Award winning, amazing artist, amazing voice, um, daughter of Donnie Hathaway. And I haven't got the release yet. So... I'm not really stressed out about it because I think they will get me the release. And I love those people too, by the way. I just, maybe they get busy. You know, there's been a West Wing reboot, I think. <laughs> so get them the release, man. Get them the release, Dulé. Signing the release takes two seconds, though. Sign the damn release. Sign the release, man. That's what I say. Or stay home. Well, real quick before we get to the next segment, what is your kind of ultimate goal for the Black Hollywood Book Project? If in your ideal world, What's what kind of impact does it have? Where does it end up? What does it lead to? Uh, that's a really good question. I actually want it in the the Museum of African American History in DC. It's a good goal. I think it has a really good chance to be in there because there's been no project to date, original project to date that has this many uh, African Americans pulled together in one place for the same purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's really special to me. And even though I haven't released a lot of the final images, the, the thing that keeps me motivated is the fact that I, when you see them, they're going to be really impactful. That's what I want. I want people to, you know, I want my grandmother to, to flip through the pages because she is one of the people that is dedicated to. And I want, um, people from back home to be proud of it. And whatever happens, once my grandmother gets it, man, whatever happens after that, I'm fine with. And that's the truth. Cool. Well, I really can't wait for it. It's such a unique project. I, I know nothing about photography whatsoever, but what I've seen so far is just incredible. And if publishers don't pick this thing up immediately, they are absolute frauds. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I'm going to send you a wristband so you can keep supporting us like I know you do. The most important thing... Send us a wristband. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. Well, uh, I guess we'll get into our next segment, which is listener stories. We've got one for you today that we chose as the best travel story this week. And Corel is going to read it if you have it in front of you. Yes, I got it. Whenever you're ready, yeah, you can fire away. From a 30-year-old man living in St. Petersburg, Florida. I was on a road trip in Eastern Europe last summer and had just started my new hobby of astral photography. I wasn't very good yet, but really wanted some shots of the Milky Way. So one night, one night in 
Latvia, I hope I'm saying that right, I drove out to the middle of the field near a hotel at 1 a.m. and set up my tripod. The place was kind of sketchy. I kept hearing dogs barking far away, and they seemed to be getting closer and closer, but I ignored it. It was probably just my imagination. Ten or so failed shots later, uh, the barking was pretty loud. Panicking, I packed up my tripod and got in my car. The second I shut the door, three dogs sprang out of the darkness, literally lunging at the car. They jumped up and scratched at the door. I was alone in a field in the middle of nowhere in Eastern Europe while stray dogs assaulted my car. It was literally like a horror movie. I slammed my foot on the gas and drove as fast as I could to the main road. The dogs followed me for about 100 yards, then seemed to lose interest. Thank God. Later that night, I looked through through the camera to see if I got any good shots. Nothing. Even worse, in my panic, I had forgotten to turn off auto shoot. So now my only photo evidence of my trip to Latvia is a bunch of blurry pictures of the rabbit dogs just before they attacked my car. The next morning I was having breakfast in the hotel, which was really just a guy's house that he turned into an Airbnb. As I'm eating, a dog walks into the dining room, then another and another. My heart stopped. Yep, the same dogs from last night. They just sniffed me and walked away. Have you met the boys, said the hotel owner, coming out of the kitchen. He meant the dogs. I guess his property was bigger than I realized. Yeah, I said I did. I wanted to say. (laughs) Yeah, the other reason I'm fucking quitting astrophotography. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like he at least photographed the most memorable part of his time there. Yeah, I, I would rather come away with pictures of that incident from that trip than like some probably pretty blurry, like not great photos of the sky, you know? I, I feel his pain and astrophotography is very difficult. It's a commitment. You got to get up at like, you either go out there at, like two in the morning when there's no light. It's tough. My friend's trying to do it and he's just like, he's always just out at like one third. Like, what'd you do? He's like, oh, I was up till 4 a.m. last night trying to take pictures of the stars. I'm like, Jesus, that's like a... I don't know. It's a commitment to do that. It is a commitment. It is. It really is. Hey, I mean, there's not much going on in LA right now, I can imagine. So you might as well just get into just spend all your every every all your weekend nights out in the middle of a field trying to take pictures of the. <laughs> I know. I was going to. I was. I was shooting at a lot of the uh, protests for a very long time. I got some really good jobs, and that was that was really intense, man. It was really intense. You know, I need to record this moment in history because I've never seen it. And I've been marching Black Lives Matter for, like, I marched, like, five years ago. I actually said in the beginning of this, like, the first day, I'm like, I'm not going because I've marched and I'm beyond marching. But then my friend convinced me to walk down to 3rd and Fairfax, which is a half a mile from where I am, which is where it started the first day. And I could not believe the amount of people, not just Black people, obviously, but which is what the whole movement needed to begin with is for everybody to recognize that there's a systematic systematic problem here and we all should participate to try to help. Right on, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And uh, definitely you'll be back once this book is is ready to go. Yeah, guys. Thank you. Don't get me in trouble with the names of people I named. No, I don't care. <laughs> well, I'll, cut, I'll cut the Vivica Fox thing. 
You don't have to cut anything. You crazy? We'll send the release over to you after this. Yeah, of course you have to sign our release. We have a, an injury waiver for the podcast. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Good luck with the uh, podcast. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks for coming on, man. It's good to see you. Good to see you as well. Okay, it is time for the lightning round, and we're going to make this one quick because Tim has a massage to get to. This, yeah, this is not going to be a slow, drawn-out boom. This is going to be a lightning. We're not doing thunder rounds today. Real-time lightning. Okay, first question, Tim. Is waiting online bullshit? You know, I don't know. I, honestly, if there's going to be a line of more than like 15 minutes, I have to be really stoked or else I'm going to be super jaded by the time I get in there. I feel like there's two kinds of people. Some people like look at a line. doesn't matter how long it is. It could be two people or it could be 50 people. And it's an automatic no. They're automatically like, nope, I don't do lines. Don't do lines. It's like a principle thing. Like I won't do anything that requires me to wait online. I'm like 80% there. And the reason for that is because I feel like I've built my entire life around not being the fucking nine to five wait in line hustle on the weekend kind of a life you know and i so i feel like i've admitting defeat when i have to wait in line for more than a few minutes or something <laughs> i love that admitting uh, waiting in line is like admitting defeat it is because it's like That's why didn't great. you plan this out better why didn't you get here earlier why are you here today instead of tomorrow I, I'm, I'm imagining you standing in line giving this exact inspirational speech to the people who are in line with you. I would. Why didn't we get here earlier? Why don't we why why don't we get here tomorrow? Who are we? What are we doing? This is defeat. Do we want to admit defeat? Let's join me, everyone. Let's go. I, I say these exact things to my wife every time we're stuck in a line. So I'm sure everyone around can hear us. This is like a brave heart-esque address to your fellow line goers, just making everyone realize how they're just pawns in the game of the, uh, the attraction. Love it. If you could be the protagonist in one Hollywood movie, what would it be? Out cold. That's the snowboarding one? They're in a ski town in Alaska. A big resort developer comes in, tries to take over their town. And so they all band together to boot them out. I bet those guys never stood in line. We, we have a theme for the, this today's uh, lightning round, fighting the establishment. If you've if you've never seen it, it actually pulls a lot from the movie Casablanca. It's like a re, it's like a ski town remake of Casablanca. Very interesting. Okay, okay, I know. Cool. I think I would be the Adam Sandler in Fifty First Dates. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's yeah, I, I have. Yes, I've seen that movie. Yeah, it sounds about right for you. Yeah, you go into like a nice like local Hawaiian cafe. You meet a nice girl. She doesn't remember who you are every morning, so you can. She has no idea really how obnoxious she finds you because it's just her memory gets erased every morning. So if you fuck up, wake up the next day, clean slate. Sounds like kind of the perfect situation to me, honestly. I, it's a little fucked up, but I think I don't know, like anything else. You get used to it. It's legit. All right, Evan. Now you're up on the hot seat, and the first question is: What is one restaurant pet peeve that you have? Not other diners, but like what is something that happens frequently in restaurants that drives you fucking crazy? When other people judge me for trying to take extra rolls off of other people's plates. Uh, no, we'll, we, we already discussed that. Uh, this, this is probably just going to make me look bad, but I eat really quickly. Me too. And I've been oh, trying to life. work on that to eat like a, a, a normal pace and be, keep pace with whoever I'm eating with. But... I've come to the conclusion that people just eat too goddamn slow. I'm always done like at five to 10 minutes before the other person I'm with. 
And I, it makes me feel, yeah, me too. Yeah. It makes me feel so self-conscious and they're always just like, Oh, done already. Huh? Like I haven't even taken two bites of my burger. And I'm like, it takes all of my mental energy when I'm eating to keep pace with the other person. So I'm not rude and just sitting there watching them eat that I don't even enjoy the meal sometimes. Yeah, no, I hear you. I eat also very fast and have taken shit from it from everybody I've ever known in my life. Yeah, so I just wish people ate faster, you know? But then, like, don't you want to enjoy, like, have, have like, a, a chat and have a conversation and really savor your food? No, I'm hungry. No, I want to enjoy my food. That's why I'm eating it. I'm not here to fucking... I'm hungry. I want to enjoy my food. Yeah. Let me eat, then let me talk, okay? That's the order. Well, the reason why I asked this question is because last night, one of my pet peeves happened where I was in a restaurant dining alone. Of course. And it had nothing to do with dining alone. Yeah, but of course... So, you know, you get seated, they give you the menu or whatever. Then the waitress comes and they takes my drink order and then she takes the menu away from me. So then next time I want to get another beer, I have to be like, hey, can you bring me the menu back? Like another thing kind of along those lines that I always found funny was when waiters come over to refill your water or to like replenish rolls or, you know, do something else, clean your plate. And everyone just stops talking. Everyone just goes silent and gets super awkward and just sits and waits for her to leave. And I always feel so bad for the waiter when this happens. Yeah, me too. They're just trying to do their job. They're probably like, just keep, keep going, keep talking. Don't let me like make you feel awkward. Like I hate this. Like you're not unless you're plotting a murder or like talking about like intimate details of your sex life. Like who cares? Just keep talking. The waiter's not taking notes on your conversation or or trying to eavesdrop. Okay, next one is an add-on to the last question. What is one, if you're on a date at a restaurant, what is one pet peeve that she might do? Like only order a small soup or salad when I'm eating like a giant plate of chicken parm. You know, it's just, honestly, for me, it's more, if the conversation's like not going well, but you order a massive pizza and you could finish it all, that's probably more important to me than having a good personality. That's how I gauge whether a date went well. I don't even reflect on the person, the conversation or, you know, body language or anything. It's just, okay, what did, what did I eat? And what did she eat? And did she, did she finish it? Did she, would she, did she order seconds? Did she get dessert? Did she crush her appetizer? Okay. All right. Yeah. That's a, she, she might be a keeper. All right. Well, that's what I've got. And that's going to do it for tonight's rapid fire session. That was actually pretty rapid fire. That was, that was the most lightning round we've had. And now Tim gets to go to his spa appointment and, Take us through this, Bob, really quickly. What what is it? Massage, like foot massage, those things where the, the fish eat your skin. What is it? So I I'm not sure. No, it's definitely not that. Although it is a Japanese onsen, but I'm not in Japan, so I I assume it's just going to be a hot tub. What do you mean? It's so it's not a mass- it's literally just you in a hot tub. That's all that this is. I think so. I. I made an appointment for the onsen. I have never been to an onsen, so I'm not sure what to expect. But I'm 85% sure that I'm going to show up and it's going to be a hot tub and it's going to be me and a couple of other people maybe. And so actually, (laughs) okay, wait a second. I'm anticipating being let down. You and a couple of other people in a hot tub. A large hot tub. This is is quickly becoming the most intriguing part of this lightning round. So Tim's going to go to a, get into a spa. He's going to disrobe. He's going to get into a really small hot tub. And then he's going to be immediately joined by like six other dudes. I'm, no, I'm not disrobing. I'm going to have a swimsuit on. This isn't Japan. As I said, I'm not actually in Japan where you would have to be naked. I'm in fucking Breckenridge, Colorado. Is that the most pretentious mountain town thing ever? Having a Japanese onsen massage in Breckenridge, Colorado? Like, come on. 
I mean, Tim, and if you were trying to be authentic and really get a, a true cultural experience, you would do the you do a Japanese style, you know? I mean, if if everybody else is naked, I'll get naked, <laughs> but I highly doubt that's what. And is there is. a masseuse? Is there anyone like guiding this experience, or is it just you in a hot tub? Because that just sounds like Tim in a hot tub to me. Pretty sure it's an appointment. It's an appointment for a hot tub because it's COVID. Okay, okay. So this is not like the happy ending situation that I was originally envisioning. Only happy ending is going to be me relaxing. Well, on that note, this is the perfect happy ending for our episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening once again to No Blackout Dates. If you have a listener story to submit to us, send it to noblackoutdatespod at gmail.com and tell us your thoughts on whether you think waiting online is bullshit and whether eating too fast is rude or just plain efficient. And remember to subscribe because we've got some really, really cool guests coming up in the next few weeks. And you just kind of have to take my word for that because, yeah, we can trust each other by now, right? Anyway, that's it from us. I'm Evan. I'm Tim, and I'm exasperated. It's time for a nap. It's time for Tim to go sit in a hot tub full of dudes. We'll catch you guys next time.